Jerry Ann King Johnson is a Bainbridge, Georgia native, culture keeper and longtime advocate for the African-American community in Warren County, North Carolina. Warren County became the birthplace of the environmental justice movement when, in 1982, a small, predominantly African-American community was designated to host a hazardous waste landfill. This landfill would accept PCB-contaminated soil that had resulted from illegal dumping of toxic waste along roadways. After removing the contaminated soil, the state of North Carolina considered a number of potential sites to host the landfill, and ultimately settled on Warren County. Learning about this, the community at the time staged a protest, putting their bodies in front of trucks carrying toxic PCB waste. The protest ultimately failed, and the waste was dumped. However, it birthed a movement, one that recognized broad environmental inequality, including the tendency of federal and state agencies to locate hazardous material and waste near poor communities, often of color. Warrington has been Jerry Ann's chosen home since the 1970s, when she moved from Durham. In Warrington, the county seat, Jerry Ann helped build the nation's first rural progressive black radio station, WVSP Radio Warrington. She is also an avid and skilled quilter, and has built a thriving community around the craft. We sat down with her in the historic Hendricks House to discuss Warrington, rural African-American communities, and the stories that quilts hold. I'm Jerry Ann King Johnson, and uh, very happy to be here in the Aaron Hendrick House. Uh, it's a historic house that uh, was owned by the Fane family originally, and Alice Baker Fane Harris. And um, she met Aaron Hendrick, and um, they raised their family here in this house. He was a livery stable owner, which he had the livery stable right behind the house here. And um, the Heritage Quilters, we were fortunate to be able to occupy the house for the last seven years, and uh, we we just love it. It's a place of our own where we can meet and uh, have quilt uh, lessons and quilt shows and, uh, you know, different other cultural arts activities. We just, we love the Hendrick House. And how long have you been in Warrington? I have been in Warrington since 1977. I came here to work for a public radio station, WVSP. It was a um, NPR affiliate station, a community-based station, and one of a few radio stations in the country at that time that uh, was managed by a predominantly African-American board. And uh, we had diverse programming. We were really ahead of our time. I can say that now. <laughs> um, I did a children's program. I did jazz programming, uh, cultural collage program, and a prison and jail project uh, program. We, we did a lot. Um, Valeria and Jim Lee, uh, Jim was our engineer, and so, uh, but he also did news and reporting around different events. 
And uh, Val was our station manager, and uh, she did programming as well, jazz, blues, um, and news. And um, when they came to Warren County, they came here to work at Soul City. Right. And Jim um, was doing a um, project with farmers um, called Animule. And it was, I believe, aimed at um, building some collective activity around, you know, farming and, you know, uh, the production of certain crops that they could then market. And uh, so he did that for a while. And while while Val was, while he was doing that, Val was sitting around thinking about, you know, what what can we do to fill the information gap in eastern North Carolina? Right. And... Um, I remember she talks about, well... Those are two powerful angles. Yes, yes. She talked about, you know, a newspaper being, you know, maybe not the best route because literacy levels were, you know, kind of questionable. And TV being too expensive and radio being, you know, like the sweet spot. Right, (laughs) right. And so at that time, the Corporation for Public Broadcasting... You know, they were uh, making um, efforts to include um, minority groups Mm -hmm. in their um, funding pools and supporting them and, you know, getting these radio stations up. And WVSP just happened to be one of those radio stations. The significance of a radio station like WVSP really centered around having the voices of leaders and everyday people and young people um, in this region having an outlet for those voices. And at that time, we could show up at school board meetings, at uh, county commissioner meetings, at um, different forums around health or criminal justice with our microphones. And we could capture those discussions or presentations, and we could then share it with an audience um, as far as the 100,000 watts would let us go. And so that was pretty significant. And during the time that we operated, um, the PCB struggle here in um, Warren County was um, was was going on. Um, the PCB thing did bring a lot of attention to rural communities and particularly to Warren County because one reason that these people came to North Carolina with these tanks of PCBs mm-hmm. and opened their valves um, along the side of the roads in eastern North Carolina particularly was because they knew that it was a pretty isolated area. You know, people weren't really, you know, they thought that people weren't really sharp and wouldn't catch on to this. Um, It was a cheap way to dispose of toxic chemicals, you know. And um, I remember that the kids catching the bus were the first ones to notice the smell and the change in color of the grass uh, and knew something was wrong. And then um, 
when the state under Jim Hunt decided that uh, they needed to pick up all this PCB lace soil, they said, well, where can we put it? And they said, well, let's put it in Warren County. It's one of the poorest counties in the um, state. And, you know, they're not really that organized, and let's just put it there. And there were other alternatives where the soil was much more conducive for holding those uh, PCBs than Warren County. But um, so I think that struggle, you know, brought white and black people together. It was the first time in a long time when black and white people saw common their common interest around an mm -hmm. issue. Uh, and that was really probably the first time since the 1890s, yeah. you know, that black and white people had come together so intentionally to address something. Um, and I remember uh, after that series, after the PCB struggle and all of that, because you know, there were questions about water. You know, will this stuff sink into our, you know, water stream? Or, you know, what will it do for the the soil? Will we be able to grow crops? Will our crops be contaminated? And, you know, so forth. And and so we did a, wrote a grant. Val had written this grant to the National- That's Valerie. Valeria, Valeria Lee. Lee mm -hmm, excuse me. Mm -hmm. She had written a grant uh, to, um, and I don't know who partnered with her on this, but um, we, the radio station received funding from the National Endowment for the Humanities. And we did this series called Under All is the Land. And it was a 13-part series. Um, and we had uh, help from different folk like Bernice Reagan with Sweet Honey and the Rock. We used a lot of their music. Uh, I remember Leah Wise helped with something. She lives in Durham. She's an activist. Um, she helped with some of the script treatments. Uh, Jim had done a lot of the different interviews with different people uh, around farm issues, around land issues, because under all is the land. Radio isn't the only way Jerry Ann has told her community story. After first beginning a quilting group in Durham, North Carolina, she started another just down the road in Warrington, continuing the thread of community and craft. We met at the, the senior center, the old Rosenwald building. Right. <laughs> Did the same thing, you know, your name, you know, introduce yourself through quilts and quilts, same thing. And um, do we want to continue? Yes. What? What day? Let's try Tuesday night, second Tuesday, okay? And then um, I found the extension. They said, well, y'all can meet down here. And we had our first meeting, and uh, somebody said, well, should we pay dues? And Miss Miss Brule said, yes, we should pay dues. I think it should be a dollar a month. And she <laughs> put the dollar down on the table, slammed that dollar down. It should be a dollar a month. So we paid $12 dues for probably like 50, 60 years, somebody said, well, I think we should go up to 20. <laughs> you know. Maybe we can go have dinner sometime or something. Yeah, but, you know, um, we had, uh, I think people were really surprised, you know, okay, so here they are, quilters. And uh, so we just, we just had a ball and 
then I think people begin to see the the see us as an asset, um, a cultural heritage asset. Yes, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. because I mean we weren't shame at all. We bring out our quilts and and show them and you know create some energy and have some punch and cookies and invite people. You know we did our shows up at the um, Jacob Holt House. Yeah, and. Um, Portia was on preservation warrant, and so she made like little inroads, mm-hmm. you know, for us. And uh, yeah, we would dress up the uh, Jacob Holt house. I mean, really dress it up, clean it up, dress it up. And, you know, people would come from all over, you know, North Carolina, Eastern part, and see our little quilts. And we had them displayed with little, you know, information about the quilter and mm-hmm. the quilt. and so forth and then um do you think in eastern north carolina there was still a lot of awareness of warrenton and warren county from the um the radio show from those years i think so the community continued yeah yeah people would come to um, warrenton and say you know i used to listen to a radio station that was here yeah Mm -hmm. people still remember the radio station yeah so anyway but we um we we survived down at the uh in the basement of the um, extension office, and then next door, the building, the old tavern, was up. The county owned that, and it was up for auction. Mm-hmm. And uh, one of our members, Ruth Chambers, had sold her condo in Harlem. Okay. And so she had this windfall. Right. And so Ruth and Earlene and I, we said, well, one that we could get the tavern. And we said, let's bid on it. Right. And I think we 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 don't agree how much we bid. <laughs> <laughs> I thought we got up to about seven thousand dollars. Okay. <laughs> and then we were out. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> and um then the lawyers, you know, they started bidding on it. And of course, you know, one of the lawyers who's building law offices next door, he won the bid. Right. And so we said, oh, okay. And then the county manager, who used to occupy this building, mm-hmm. she made a case to the commissioners that she needed another office, that this building was not uh, really conducive. It didn't have the capacity to carry the big copiers and the big phone systems and all of that. It was old. Right. And so then they moved over to the old um, the old doctor's offices over on Ridgeway Street, and it was empty. And we said, oh, my God, do you think we could get the Hendrick House? Uh, but before that, before that, they had this property up for demolition. Oh, wow. And so um, Portia, myself, Ernie Fleming, we went to the county commissioner's meeting and said that um, this building should not be demolished because right. it is the only representation of African-American family life from the 19th century. And its proximity to the courthouse and in downtown, you know, is um, significant. Yeah. So then... They said, well, okay, then we won't demolish it, but we're going to move it. Mm-hmm. We're going to move it to the back of the parking lot so we can have more parking spaces. And we made another case that it should not be moved 
because again of its significance as a you know example and on this particular piece of land that's right so they said okay then we went to linda and said can we occupy the heritage quilters we would like to occupy the um hendrick house and so the 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 county had to do like something you know where they announced that this building was available and they got two responses one from mr james jordan mm -hmm. and one from the heritage quilters and we talked about you know our vision and da 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 and mr james jordan said that whatever happens to that building it should you know continue to represent african-american african-americans in warren county right. he wasn't interested in it but i was like yes <laughs> yes and so then Linda said, but I can't deal with y'all because you don't have a nonprofit. We only deal with nonprofits. So we said, oh, my stars. So um, we um, got ourselves together and pitched in our little money. Right. There were eight of us out of the group. And we said, OK, we'll like bite the bullet and <laughs> fill out the application. We got help from Jenny Ann Franklin and we got help from um, one of the members um, in the African-American Quilt Circle. She helped organizations form nonprofits all the time. And uh, I can't think of her name right now. Anyway, um, we got the application in, got our little approval and took it right over to Linda and she said, okay. And um, she, and she said, okay, so your rent. And and we had the checkbook with us. And and uh, <laughs> she she said, okay, that'll be $60. And I said, $60? For what? <laughs> and she said, that's five years. I said, I thought it was going to be $5, a dollar a year. <laughs> and she said, okay, Jerry Ann, now where can you find rent for five years for $60, please? <laughs> so anyway, <laughs> we wrote the check for $60. For $60. And um, we have been very good stewards of the building. We've had a lot of help. Uh, John Earl Austin um, helped us with the carpet and, you know, with the flooring. He is just the best philanthropist in our in our community. I mean, you know, he was just very generous. And um, we just, you know, made it what it is. And we just, we love it. Because a community like Warren County, which is like so many communities in North Carolina, particularly Eastern North Carolina, and in the South, um, we have to be able to find that um, those places and spaces where we can negotiate new identities, right? You know, for ourselves as small towns, as you know, we have to. And and I think one of the things that we have to be able to do. I mean, Warren County. People like to say, you know, we were the richest county in North Carolina. You know, um, we we were the richest county in North Carolina. The photographer that I worked with over the last two weeks, he said, everybody, I heard at least 10 times, everybody say that 
said that Warren County was the richest county in North Carolina, which it was, but it was also a county that was at the forefront of white supremacy. And that we have to be able to say those two things in the same sentence. At the same time. At the same time. And, you know, really unpack how that history informs our identities today and, um, you know, move progressively forward. And it's um, it's a challenge. It's a challenge, Absolutely. you know, especially to to move, you know, because you can get in a place where you can just be stagnant. You know, you're just stuck. You're just stuck. Um, paralyzed, you know, paralyzed by your history, paralyzed by fear. Mm -hmm. Trauma. Yes, trauma, paralyzed by, um, um, you know, power. Yeah. You know, either your your power or the lack of power, you know, just you can't move, but, you know, how you um, can... um, you know, nimble yourself and begin to move is so critical. And I think that we're right at that point in in Warren County. We're trying. We are really trying. And we're making some progress. But um, there are still those who are struck by fear and control and power. And uh, so we're just having to, you know, manipulate around them, you know, kind of move around them. We have to tell a fuller story of our history that is inclusive of, you know, all people. And that, I mean, if you look at any history of Warren County, it's so, um, it's not a full history. It is, it doesn't include the African-American experience, the Native American experience, you know, but if when you look at that history, you don't get the fullness, the the vitality of, you know, a community growing, you know, and overcoming. You just don't get that, you know. And so when we leave these big holes out, you know, or these big gaps, the cloth is not tight, you know. But the, the, the more texture and the more threads that we can build into it, you know, the stronger we are. You know, and I think that resistance and that fear that somehow if we if we tell the whole story, it makes us weaker. It does not. It, it makes us stronger. Hello, NC. Stories from Rural North Carolina is a production of the North Carolina Department of Natural and Cultural Resources hosted by Carl Galloway and Cliff Bumgardner, and edited by Cliff Bumgardner, with music by Spencer Otten and Allie B. Join us next time to see where your path might cross with Rural NC.